Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. TheGroveWR.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Mark 5, 25, 34. We've already read it. I, I need to read it again. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague." Amen. I want to talk today from the thought, go in peace and be whole. Go in peace and be whole. We honor Pastor Butch Dupree. Always good to see you, man of God. Always good to see you. And uh, we've seen you a lot lately. We thank God for you. Amen. Go in peace and be whole. And be whole. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way with this word. Feed us today. Nourish our souls, nourish nourish our minds, renew our minds and transform our lives through the preaching and teaching of your rightly divided word. Fill me as I have asked you in private. I ask you now in public, fill me again with the power of the Holy Ghost that your word would transform lives to your glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and behold. Our text opens with Jesus getting off of a cruise. He didn't cruise to the Bahamas. He didn't cruise. He didn't cruise to uh, St. Thomas. He did not cruise to the Virgin Islands. But he's getting off of a cruise. And he lands near a town named Capernaum and is welcomed by a crowd. It's a whole lot of folk uh, at the boat dock, if you will. And the impression is given that they're there because they're, they're waiting on Jesus. They, they knew he was coming in their direction. And it's a crowd. How many folk? We don't know. But it's a whole heap of folk. It's, it's a whole heap of folk. Or as I heard growing up in Flint, Michigan, it's buku folk. A bunch of people. From the crowd emerges Jairus. Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. He's, he's a man of status. We've, we're given his name, Jairus. We're given we're giving his status. He's one of the rulers of the synagogue he's he's somebody important just by virtue of their saying he's a ruler of the synagogue everybody knows Jairus 
is important. He has status. Others in the crowd probably knew who he was. They, when they saw him, they probably nudged one another and said, that's J. Iris right there. That, that's, J, that's the one I was telling you about. That's J. Iris. Everybody probably knew who he was. His daughter is dying. So he emerges from the crowd and asks Jesus to come and heal her. Jesus, uh, as we have read in our text about this woman, uh, what was actually happening, Jesus was on his way to J. Iris' house to heal his daughter who is about to die. She's very sick. Or like they would say down in Southwest Georgia, she's low sick. When someone is described as low sick, that means they're real sick. They might be about to die. Jesus is on his way to her house, he, uh, to, to Jairus' house. Jesus obliges him and he's on his way to Jairus' house to do what he does. And y'all know what Jesus does. Jesus heals the sick. That's what he does. Jesus, Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. That's, that's what he does. He's on his way to Jairus' house to just, to just do what he does. He, he raises the dead. That's, that's what he does. He, he causes the deaf to hear. That's, that's what Jesus does. Jesus, Jesus makes a way out of no way. Jesus fixes what no one else can fix. Jesus heals who no one else can heal. Jesus can turn around what nothing else can turn around. Jesus, he just does what he does. Jesus, where, where are you going? I'm on my way to J. Iris' house. What you going to do when you get there? I'm going to do what I do. Because that's just what I do. I can, I can make the sun shine. I can make the moon glow. I can make a new day come. I can, I can cause the sun to be eclipsed because I can, I can do what it do. I can do what the devil can't stop me from doing. I, I can do what I do. And if you need me to do something for you, I can make it do what it do for you. I'm, many of you know that Jesus is able to make it do what it do for you. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house because Jairus needs a miracle that only Jesus can work. But while Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, a sister emerges from the crowd. This sister was miserable. We do not know her name. There are several people in the New Testament whose names are not given. They're referred to as a certain man. Or like this woman is referred to in the scripture, uh, a certain woman. We're not given her name. It almost gives us the impression she's not important enough for her name to be mentioned. She's, she's a certain woman. She's a certain woman. She doesn't have her, we don't know her name. We don't know her status. She is not a prominent woman in the community like J. Iris. She has no notoriety. She's, she, she has no title. It's not, it's not her turn for a miracle. It's J. Iris' turn for a miracle. Jesus is on, J. I, on his way to J. Iris' house because it's J. Iris' turn for a miracle. But this woman interrupts the whole process and even though she has no title and even though it's not her turn uh, it is her time and I wanted to tell somebody here today it, you may not have an important title you may not feel like it's your turn but Jesus says it could be your time and I want to know who in here needs it to be my time how many of you need it to be your time for a miracle your time for something to turn around your time for something to go away your time for your misery to be canceled your time for Jesus to work something out on your behalf she's she's miserable it's not her she doesn't have a title we don't it's, it's not her turn uh, but it is her time she's she's miserable you may be wondering well how how is she miserable pastor Clark let me show you in the text verse 25 verse 25 she has a menstrual cycle that's lasted for 12 years 12 years I think most of the sisters if not all of the sisters in here would say 12 days with a menstrual cycle would be too long 
But 12 years of menstruating, 12 years, verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood, 12 years, cramps, 12 years, nausea, 12 years, might all, may work, may not work, 12 years. Verse 25, she was quarantined because of her condition, because a woman who had an issue of blood, a woman who was menstruating, couldn't go to worship, could not go out in public. She had to be quarantined. She's been quarantined 12 years. How many of us were sick and tired of quarantine after 12 months? About to lose your mind when you couldn't you couldn't go to the family reunion, you couldn't go to the wedding, you couldn't go to some funerals. We all outside, graveside, blazing heat, freezing cold for funerals because we were quarantined for over, it's been almost 25 over over 25 months now. But can you imagine being isolated in quarantine for 12 years? She saw many doctors. Verse 26, y'all. Verse 26, she had suffered many things of many physicians. Which means she went to see doctor after doctor after doctor. And no matter how many doctors she went to see, none of them could help her. She went to doctors on the east side. They couldn't help her. She went to the doctors on the south side, the west side. None of them could help her. She went, she went to her cousin doctor because her cousin doctor helped her. But she, she couldn't get any help from any of the doctors. And with all of these doctor's appointments and everything, it caused her to run out of money. So now none of the doctors can help her and she's broke. She's miserable. She's miserable. Verse 26. Verse 26 also says that, that she spent all of her money. And then verse 26 says she was made no better. After all of this time, she's made no better. After all of these doctor's appointments, doctor's visits, she's not any better. Can you imagine? I, I don't know if she traveled to the doctors or the doctors made home visits. How many of y'all remember when doctors made house visits, house calls? I don't know if she had to go all the way to Atlanta to see specialists and couldn't get any help. I don't know if she had to go all the way to Montgomery to see specialists, couldn't get any help. I don't know if she had to go all the way to Augusta, couldn't get any help. I don't know if she had to go all the way to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, and still couldn't get any help. I don't know, but all I know is after 12 years and all these doctors, her money is spent and she's made no better. As a matter of fact, not only is she not any better, the Bible explicitly says she's worse. She's worse. After all this time, verse 26 says, her condition, it got worse. Can you imagine? I can't, I don't even know if I should ask this. I just don't even answer. I need the sisters, don't even answer. Don't even say amen. Don't say nothing. Can you imagine a menstrual cycle lasting 12 years and getting worse? Worse. Worse. I need, I, listen, I, I've never had one, but I know some people who have. And I'm saying, I, I know some people who had to come and get picked up from school because it was so bad. Can you imagine your worst time ever having a menstrual cycle? And it's, it just gets consecutively worse, just chronically worse. Verse 26 says, her condition got worse. She's probably not married. She probably she can't get married. She can't even come into close proximity to a man because the Levitical law prohibited her from having any kind of close dealings with a man. 
Man, can you imagine if she dreamt of getting married? Can you imagine if she dreamt of being married to a prince charming and having the two and a half kids and the dog and the picket fence? Can you imagine her imagining traveling with her boo, her bae, and her little in a little Yorkie in the little carry-on purse, getting on the Can you imagine her imagining and dreaming all her life and getting married and believing that one day all this bleeding is gonna stop and she'll finally be able to go to some of the dating, the dating things that they have going the speed dating at the club or the speed dating thing at the bar or the you know some of, the, some of that stuff y'all some of y'all single folk do you know she just she couldn't go she couldn't go where the where the men were she couldn't go to walmart with her special outfit just hoping that as he would shashay down by the fruits and vegetables that some dude would, would, that she would catch some dude's attention she, she couldn't go to she couldn't go to city trends or macy's or belt and, and and make it shake a little bit and hope that she'd catch somebody's attention don't y'all sit there and act like Y'all don't know what I'm talking about at all. I know you're saved and sanctified. I know, sisters, you got dignity, but don't act like you ain't never went that extra mile to get somebody's attention. And don't, don't act like it didn't work once or twice. She can't get married. She's isolated. She's quarantined. She has to stay away from others as long as she is in this situation. And, 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 and as I sought the Lord for a text for us to deal with today, as we talk about canceling misery, I looked at, I looked at some other scriptures. I looked at Psalm 30, Psalm 30, where David, David is lamenting in Psalm 30, because, and that's where David has the, the famous words, a weeping may endure for a night, but, but joy comes in the morning but David is miserable if you read Psalm 30 you'll read about David being miserable but I wanted to stay away from a text I asked Pastor Dupree I asked God if I could stay away from any text where someone was miserable because they messed up I wanted us to talk about someone who's miserable in the Bible due to no fault of their own She's miserable, but it's not her fault. She's miserable, but it's not because of sin. She's miserable, but it's not because she messed up. She's miserable. It's not because she's wasted her money. She's miserable, not because of anything she's done on her own that she could, for which she could be blamed. She's miserable. She's miserable because sometimes life happens. I want to know if anybody here knows what that's like. Where sometimes, sometimes you are miserable because you messed up. Sometimes you got to take the blame. You got to take the fault for your misery. You got to take the blame for why your health is, why your, why your health ain't right. Why your finances ain't right. Why your career is not going well. Why, why things aren't well in your life. But sometimes when you've done everything you could to make it better and it only got worse and the whole thing is due to something that is not your fault. Now, I found somebody in the word of God. This sister, this sister called me Clark, 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 talk about me because I'm, I'm miserable, but it ain't my fault. I'm miserable, but it's not because of something I've done. I'm miserable, but it's not because of something I overlooked. I'm miserable, but it's not because of something I neglected. I'm miserable, but it's not because of something I ignored. I'm miserable, but it's not because of something I knew wasn't right, but I went and did it anyway. I'm miserable, but it's not because somebody tried to keep me from doing what I did, but I went and did it anyway. And I ended up in the situation I'm in. Clark, tell them, tell them that if there aren't any more examples in the scriptures of people who are miserable and jacked up, toe up from the flow up, and it's not their fault. Life just happened. Clark, tell them. I found somebody in the scriptures, y'all. Brother, Sister Riley, I found somebody in the scriptures who, who's messed up. They're miserable. Messed up. Done everything they could to make it better, but it's, they've gotten worse. This is an awful situation to be in. 
To deal with all of that cannot be easy. Twelve years is a long time to suffer with anything, whether it is an issue of blood, cancer, AIDS, depression, anxiety, PTSD, congestive heart failure, a bad marriage for 12 years, a wayward child driving you crazy for 12 years, being on death row for 12 years, especially if you're on death row for a crime you did not commit. How about dealing with a broken heart for 12 years? That's a long time. Being quarantined for 12 years. 12 years of having a problem and probably being treated as though not only do you have a problem, but being treated as if you are a problem. I wonder how many of us know what that's like. Where it's one thing to have a problem and be treated and be treated as if you are a problem. Just because I have a problem does not mean I am a problem. But can you imagine somebody getting on her about you need to clean yourself up? Can you imagine somebody getting on her about you, you, you left a stain there again? I done told you about sitting there. I done told you about lying there. I done told you. And it's not like she could just go to the local CVS and pick up some, some feminine products. It's not like, no, she has some primitive products can you imagine how many times a day in the in the logistics of taking care of herself having this issue I'm sure it bothered somebody I'm sure it got on somebody's nerves I'm sure that something about it whether it may have been a stench maybe it was a stigma maybe just to know maybe just to know she's not like everybody else she can't be treated like everybody else she can't be welcomed like everybody else she can't be embraced like everybody else and she can't be she can't be looked at like everybody else she probably saw herself not only as a woman who had a problem, but I wonder if a part of her misery was her being looked at as if she is a problem. Twelve years. Twelve years. Twelve years of being bound by rules that kept you from being around others. Or twelve years of rules that kept you bound where you couldn't worship with others. You couldn't be in a relationship. You couldn't be out in public. And all other sorts of rules that kept you from yet having a quality of life that helped you to make a person a person rather than a problem. And no matter what she did to solve her problem, it got worse. After spending all her money, she got worse. She's worse than when she first sought treatment. And some of us know what that's like. You put a lot of money towards your medical bills, but you're worse. Spent a lot of money on co-pays, but you're worse. Spent a, lot of on, spent a lot of money on prescriptions, but you're worse. Spent a lot on therapy, rehab, treatments, counseling, but you're worse. You whipped out the debit card or sent a lot of cash apps helping somebody move or letting them move in with you or paying their rent or paying their car insurance or paying their child support or their probation fees or their speeding tickets only to testify that the situation is worse. 12 years is a long time to be miserable. It's a long time to be miserable, period. Especially when all you have to show for it is that you're worse off and broke. She was miserable, but she canceled her misery. She reached the point she, where she is no longer, where she no longer settled for her situation. Jesus was passing by, and as he made his way to Jairus' house, she saw an opportunity to get her bleeding to stop. Her problem solved and her misery canceled. She came to him because she heard about him. That's what the Bible says. She heard about Jesus. She heard about him. So she made her way to him. She, she heard about him. Let the church say she heard about him. 
She heard about him. She must have heard he's a miracle worker. She must have heard he can open blind eyes, cause the lame to walk, raise the dead, open up a lunch box and take the contents and provide a buffet for multitudes. She must have heard about his amazing, mind-blowing teaching. Crowds who heard him teach would be in awe, wondering where he learned such amazing revelation. She, she heard about him. She heard about him. But, but after her personal encounter with Jesus, she not only heard about him, she could tell somebody about him she could be a witness as to what he had done for her it's one thing to hear about Jesus but when you can tell somebody what he's done for you it, it takes on a whole different flavor you you may have heard about him during Sunday school you may have heard about Jesus from your mother your grandmother your granddaddy your daddy you may have heard about Jesus from the preacher you may have heard about Jesus when the choir sang about him at church you may have heard about him when you went to vacation Bible school but how many of y'all it, it took on a whole new meeting when you came to know him for yourself when you had your own personal encounter with Jesus where he fixed it for you where he turned it around when you can bear witness of his saving grace because he saved you is different from when you just heard about him when you can bear witness of his sufficient grace and his strength be made perfect in your weakness when you dealt with your own thorn it takes on a whole different meaning from just when you heard about him when you can tell someone about him because he picked you up Turn you around Place your feet on solid ground It takes on a whole different meaning It hits differently Than when you simply heard about him Listen, when you can tell folks That you know about him for yourself And no matter what folks may say They can say what they want But you, as far as you're concerned Can't nobody make you doubt him You know too much about him Because of what he's done for you And Jesus is real for you she canceled her misery, y'all. She canceled. She canceled her misery. How did she cancel her misery? Well, according to Jesus, according to Jesus, her faith made her whole. According to Jesus, her faith made her whole. Her faith. She thought touching Jesus' garment would solve her problem. Look at verse 27. Verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in behind the press touched his garment for she said if I may but touch his clothes I shall be whole but Jesus told her in verse 34 he said unto her daughter thy faith hath made thee whole thy faith her faith made her whole her belief in Jesus being able to heal her helped her her faith in Jesus, her believing that if, if I can get close enough to him if I can touch him, I'm her, her faith in Jesus to heal her helped her couple of questions and we're gonna raise up i don't i don't i don't necessarily have i don't think i have points today i got some questions i'm gonna do my best to let the bible answer them the first question y'all can our faith cancel our misery can our faith cancel our misery if you're miserable can can your faith in jesus cancel your misery can, can our faith cancel the cause of our misery? Can, can our faith in Jesus move the mountain in our lives that makes us feel miserable? Her faith in Jesus made her bleeding stop. Can your faith make your bleeding stop? Can, can your faith make 
the blood flow of your grief stop? Can your faith make the blood flow, the flow of your depression stop? Can your faith make the flow of your anxiety stop? Can, the, can your faith in Jesus cause the flow of your PTSD to stop? Can, can, can your faith in Jesus make you whole? Can it cause your long-term misery to be canceled? My answer, based on the scriptures, is yes. Yes. Your faith in the Lord Jesus can cause mountains that, 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 pro, that propel the flow of your misery. It can make it stop. Let's do an ultrasound of her faith. Let's do an ultrasound of her faith and see what we find. Faith is the substance of things I, I thought by this time I'd get more than four folk. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. When we do an ultrasound of faith uh, in general, it is, it is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, hope is the context of faith. Hope suggests, as I've shared with you so many times in the past, hope suggests I'm expecting things to get better even if there are no indicators of things getting any better. And there's something about coming to Jesus in expectancy. There's something about coming to Jesus in expectation mode. It's something about coming to the house of God, ex expecting God to do something, expecting God to turn your situation around, expecting God to heal, expecting God to deliver. There's something about coming into the house of God or coming to Christ, period, expecting him to do something, even, even after modern medicine could not solve the problem or even after your money could not solve the problem, but you come to the master at the medicine didn't help you come to the master after your money did not help you come to the master who is able to cancel your misery so I want to tell somebody today place your hope in him place your hope in him place your hope in Jesus the one the one who is able to do what no other power can do expect Jesus to heal expect Jesus to fix what the doctors cannot fix expect Jesus to turn it around expect Jesus to, to, to heal what doctors cannot cannot heal he is able Jesus is able hope in him for faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen expect Jesus to make it better and let's be clear. Let's be clear. Just because you're miserable, or just because your miserable condition has yet to be canceled does not mean there's something wrong with your faith. Let's say that again. Say that again. Just because your miserable condition has yet to be canceled does not mean there's something wrong with your faith. Watch this, y'all. Sometimes, sometimes we are allowed to deal with long-term issues because God wants to prove although he may not cure you, he is able to keep you. Sometimes our long-term issues is God's way of telling the world and telling the devil that what ought to kill you cannot kill you as long as God is keeping you. God may be trying to prove to you. He may be trying to prove to you with all your doubts and all your suspicions and all of your worry and all your anxiety. God may be trying to prove to you that although he may not cure you, he is able to keep you so your faith will reach new levels while you wait 
on him to do what only he can do. Is there anybody here who really should have been gone years ago? But although God has not cured you, he's keeping you. I wonder how many folks I'm preaching to today. How many of you exceeded what the doctor said? Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why the doctors told you you should have been gone but you still here? It is because with every breath you take, the Lord is saying he may not have cured you, but he's keeping you. How many of you can testify that if the devil had his way, he would have taken you out by now, but God told the devil to go to hell. And although God may not have cured you, God is keeping you. Your faith may not have moved God to cure you, but your faith is working enough for God to honor it and keep you. Our God is able to cure and keep. I know you'd rather be cured, but if he's keeping you, you ought to thank him for that. You, I know you'd rather be healed, but if God is helping you, you ought to thank him for that. I know you'd rather have this situation behind you, but if God is beside you, if God is with you, if God is watching over you, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Another question. Another question. Can our faith cancel our misery even when what made us miserable has been canceled? Let me say it again. I don't expect you to get it. Let me say it again. Say it again. Can our faith cancel our misery even when what made us miserable has been canceled? Here's what I'm saying. Her bleeding stopped, but she's still miserable. She touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus is wondering, who touched me? Look at verse 30. Verse 30. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see all these people. Is, is anybody can touch every there's people everywhere I gotta make sure nobody picks my pocket I gotta make sure nobody snatched my phone I got there's people everywhere touching ain't nobody studying no social distancing there's people everywhere touching on some of everybody verse 32 he looked around about to see her that had done this thing verse 33 she's healed watch verse 33 she's healed she listen she felt better the bible says she felt she felt better immediately she felt better in her body but look at verse 33 but the woman fearing and trembling although she was made whole she was terrified afterward now i'm gonna get to what the text actually says but i want to i want to throw in for our for our reckoning do y'all reckon she might be fearing and trembling because she might think she's in trouble with the Lord? Who touched me? Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Jesus, I'm everybody out here touching you. No, some, somebody touched me. Oh, my God, I, I done made the Lord mad at me. She's terrified. How many times do saints get robbed of peace because they think, the Lord is mad at them. 
You came to him to get a certain thing. You got what you were looking for. And now you're wondering if God is mad at you. You, you Listen, what made you miserable and come to Jesus in the first place, that's taken care of. She's not bleeding anymore. What made her miserable is taken care of, but she's still miserable. Baby, what's wrong with you, Pastor Clark? Is the Lord mad with me? When I look at how my life is going, I just wonder, is the Lord mad with me? Pastor Clark, you, you reckon God is angry with me? Baby, why do you think God would be angry with you? I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like he might be mad at me. I, I heard what he said. He's been looking for who touched him. Is he, am I in trouble? Y'all know some folk like that? They have no peace. They, they're miserable because they think, they think God mad at them. You reckon that's why I lost my loved one? Is he mad with me? You reckon that's why I ain't got no money? You think God mad with me? Pastor, I don't know. I just, I, I just feel, I just wonder, I don't want him mad with me, Pastor. I don't want, I want to please the Lord with my life. I, listen, there, there can be some saints in the body of Christ who get what they want from God and they still ain't happy. And all of us know some folk who look like they got everything they want, everything you wish you had, they still ain't happy. You reckon God mad with me? I want to encourage everyone in here to understand that sin does make God angry. But this sister has committed no sin. Now she had a miracle. Jairus asked Jesus to come to his house. The centurion, the centurion asked Jesus to just speak a word for his, for his servant to be healed. Nobody, I'm not aware of anyone else who hacked a healing from Jesus. Here she, you reckon the Lord mad with me? This suspicion, this doubt, this worry robs them of the gift Jesus offered our sister this morning. And the gift he offers her is peace and wholeness. After all God has done for you, shouldn't you be happier than you are now? After all God has done for you, should you be worrying about if God is angry with you? After all the miracles he's wrought in your life, after how God, how long God has kept you, although he may not have cured you, should you be worrying about whether or not God is angry with you? If you have repented of your sins and told God that you're sorry and, and you repented and you know the Bible says that he's just and faithful to forgive you of your sins and what cleanse you from all unrighteousness why should you be worrying if God is angry with you but watch what the text actually says verse 33 but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what was done in her knowing what was done in her She's overwhelmed by receiving from Jesus what she went to get from him. It's like, it's like, it's like she comes to Jesus. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be made whole. If I can just touch, I've tried everything else. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I can be made whole. 
I just believe it. If I can just get a little, excuse me, excuse, excuse me. I, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toe. I, I, I'm sorry, I know you done some brand new red bottoms. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your shoes. I'm just trying to get to where I can touch the hem of his garment. If I could, and she touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says immediately. And she felt better in her body. And now she's freaking out. actually did it for me he, he healed me I can't, I can't believe it I wonder if any of y'all ever been there where you needed something so bad from God and God was the only one who could do it for you and he did it and you freaked out you're like oh my oh my god they actually approved the loan oh my god I'm actually about to be a be a homeowner oh my god I got the job I can't I got the job I can't oh my god I can't they say, they say they found a donor for my kidney. They say they found a donor for my liver. Oh, my God. I'm... You bet God for what you wanted, got what you wanted, and you're freaking out. She's fearing and trembling because of what happened in her body. She got something from God that she wanted. Freaking out. Why? But it's like that sometimes. I wonder, I, I, I told the sister this morning, I called her, I, t- I said, I'm, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you this morning. I'm, I'm telling you a story this morning. And um, that, that whole piece about freaking out after you get what you wanted from God, I, I, I can understand that. I, there's sometimes when I've asked God for stuff, begged God for stuff, waited for stuff, got the stuff, and then couldn't believe I actually got the stuff. I've, I've been there, and I think, I think I'm preaching to a crowd that won't be able to relate to that. I just... I don't, I don't think it's anybody in here who's ever been that desperate for something from God. Bed God to give it to you. Strained and struggled to get it. Broke rules to get it. But you got it. And you couldn't believe you got it. Heart beating off fast. You're about to have a panic attack because you've done God blessed. I wonder if inside of that, if I can continue to just reckon, this is not in the scriptures, but I'm, I'm reckoning this morning. I, I wonder, I reckon if inside of this fear, this fear and trembling is survivor's guilt. That she's surviving something that, that everybody don't survive. I wonder if anybody in here caught COVID, begged God to bless you to survive COVID. You survived COVID, but somebody precious and dear to you did not survive. But although you got your miracle, you don't, you're freaking out because you made it, but your loved one didn't. It ain't your fault that they didn't make it. Sometimes, sometimes you can, you can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, but be troubled because you're dealing with survivor's guilt. You're still here, but your loved one's not. She, she's fearing and trembling. Why? Her misery, what caused her misery, her misery is canceled, but she's still miserable. I wanted to share this today because there's somebody in here today where God has fixed your situation, but you're still miserable. And today has got to be the day where you cancel misery. You need to walk out of here saying, God has been too good to me for me to not feel good. 
I wish I had some help. There's nothing fleshly about that. There's nothing carnal about that. There's nothing worldly about that. Somebody in here who's been emotionally, mentally tormented, despite how God has answered your prayers, worked miracles on your behalf, done things for you no one else could do, you need to walk out of here today saying, God has been too good to me for me to not feel chronically good. I can't help it if other folk didn't make it how I made it. I can't, I can't help it if other folk didn't survive what I survived. I can't, I can't help it if other folk didn't get what they got from God. But I'm, I'm, I, today, the last day, I'm going to feel bad over something that's beyond my control. I hope I'm helping somebody. Verse 33, verse 33, verse 33. She told him, so Jesus is looking, who touched me? She's scared to death, but she, she's... She makes herself known. She exposes herself. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him. Here it is. Watch this. Put the spotlight on this last part. And told him all the truth. Jesus has worked to to fix what made her miserable, but she's still miserable. I wonder... If there's something in that last little piece, which probably be the D portion of the scripture, I wonder if there's something about her, her telling him all the truth. I wonder if, if she's on her way to having peace and wholeness as she confesses everything to Jesus. As she tells him stuff that she's really been feeling deep down inside, never told anybody because she never thought anybody would care. She didn't, she didn't feel like anybody cared. Or nobody even asked her. I wonder if she's telling Jesus how, how this issue has made her feel. I wonder if she's telling Jesus how, how, how her, her misery is deeper than the blood flow. I wonder if she's telling Jesus how people have treated her, how people have labeled her, how, how being quarantined has made her feel. I wonder inside of that verse where, where it says, and told him all the truth it says uh, she told him all the truth how much did she tell him did she did she get to telling him all kind of stuff that she needed to get out of her spirit so she could be healed and made whole I wonder how many of us sitting in here today God may have healed you physically but emotionally and mentally you're tormented when you don't have to be I wonder if you confess all the truth how it made you feel how it, God, it, Jesus, it, it embarrassed me so. I've been so embarrassed all these years. Jesus, it humiliated me so to my core. Just humiliated. I've been treated as less than a person. And it's made, I just, so many times I've wanted to give up. So many times I just wanted to take my life. So many times I just wanted to end it all. Jesus, if, and I couldn't tell this to anybody else. Nobody else would understand. And I didn't want, I didn't want any of those, those glib church answers or church responses. Oh, God got you. Oh, God, God gonna kill Oh, God bless you. Oh, you, oh, you got this. I didn't want none of that. I didn't need anybody telling me they're in a better place. I didn't need anybody telling me that God picked all and God needed another flower in his garden. So he picked my loved one to put as a flower. In his, I, I don't need no flower in his garden. I need my loved one back. And I can't talk to nobody. I can't. 
You've been good to me. You gave me what I wanted. You gave me what nobody else could give me. You healed me immediately, but I'm still miserable. Maybe I wonder if her path to being healed and made whole, having peace and being made whole is in this confession at the end of verse 33. And I wonder if you, I wonder if your prayer life is too, is so detailed. I wonder if your conversations with God are so detailed where you can tell him all the truth. I'm lonely. I'm hurt. I feel guilt. I feel bad. I feel like it's my fault. I don't know why I can't shake it. I don't want nobody around me. I can't stand to be around nobody. I'm sick and tired of being quarantined. I'm sick and tired of being embarrassed. God, I wonder what all did she tell him? If only, if only she had recorded the conversation. But she told him all the truth. And I believe, I believe, if you make it a habit, it may not be one time, but if you make it a habit of going into conversations with God where you tell him everything, get beyond this bless me, bless me, bless, bless my mama, bless my dad. God, bless me, bless me. Bless. Get beyond this, and I've been telling y'all this, I'm going to tell you again. Get beyond this, forgive me for all my sins. Be specific in your confession. I knew I shouldn't have went. I went anyway. God, I have a lust problem. I have a gambling problem. I have a drinking problem. I have a problem with my addiction. I'm telling people I could quit when I get good and ready. Get good, good. When I get good and ready, I'm lying. I can't quit. I'll keep drinking because I can't quit. I keep doing cocaine because I can't quit. I keep doing crack because I can't quit. I keep wasting all my money on drugs because I can't quit. God, I need some. I'm confessing and telling you all the truth that I can't tell my wife. I'm telling you all the truth. I can't tell my husband. I'm telling you all the truth. I can't tell my therapist. I'm telling you all the truth. I can't tell my, my prayer partner, God. I need some help. I truly believe her confession has her on the way to being having peace and wholeness. And if you make it a habit, let the church say habit. If you make it a lifestyle, let the church say lifestyle of having conversations with God where you tell him all the truth I believe you'll be happier there's power in your confession James told us that we can be healed by virtue of our confession confess your faults to one another that you may be healed there's something therapeutic about getting stuff off your chest. Whether you write it down in a journal or you go to God in your prayer closet and let it all out. Even if you're mad at him. Can't hide it. You can't hide it. You cannot hide anger in your heart toward God. You can, you can dance around it all you want. You can treat it like an elephant in the room all you want. You can lie about it. God is like, I, I, I see that anger. I know you're mad at me. I know you're mad at me. You ain't got to say nothing. I know you're mad at me. I told y'all the story when my dad, going home to be with the Lord now, but when my dad was, he was facing a major heart surgery, a major heart surgery, and the doctors were saying uh, his, his heart is too weak for us to operate on him, and, and, uh, but he needs the surgery, and we kind of perplexed. We're waiting on his heart to get stronger so he can do the surgery. So I'm perplexed because I know what to say in prayer. But what I truly believed in that moment, in that situation, would not line up with what I knew to say in prayer. I knew God could move mountains. I knew to declare and decree my daddy. But I felt like if I could be real, can I be real? I felt like if they open him up, he going to die. Ain't no point in talking to God about something that I really don't believe in my heart. So I'm at home perplexed. How do I pray? 
when I know what I'm supposed to say, but it doesn't line up with how I really feel. I'm in my bedroom struggling. Pastor Clark, this happens since I've been here. Pastor Clark, and I'm struggling with that. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to know how to pray. I don't, I don't, I don't believe he gonna make it if they cut him open. How do I pray? How do I pray? So I finally told God something very simple. Jonathan, something very simple. I finally, it finally came to me what I could tell him. Very simple. Very simple, first lady. God, I want my daddy to live. That's all I could say. I want my daddy to live. I need you to make it a habit, make it a lifestyle of going into conversations with the Lord and tell him, what does what she tell him? All the truth. All of it. Lord, yes, I can't hide it from you. I'm angry that you, you didn't answer my prayer the way I thought. Yet I was blindsided by that thing. I didn't see it coming. I'm angry. I'm trying to get past my anger. God, I'm angry. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you took him. I can't believe you took her. I can't believe they went out like that. I can't believe. God, I'm just going to tell you all the truth. And I'm telling you as a habit, as a lifestyle, getting it out. You can be happier. Verse 34. Verse 34. Make your confession. Verse 34. Verse 34. Jesus said to her, I want you to, I want you to hear this. I'm, I'm almost done. He says to her, thy faith hath made thee whole. I'm not going to deal with the faith part. I already dealt with that. He says, thy faith hath made thee whole. Verse 34. I'm going to tell you this now. I'm going to come back to it. Are are, do you have your Bibles open? Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. When Jesus told her thy faith had made thee whole, he said to her, your faith cured you. That word whole is interpreted by a Greek word that means cured. The word whole in the King James Version, this is why I wanted to do King James today. That word whole in verse 34 comes up two times. Thy faith hath made thee what? Whole. Go in peace and be whole. That second time he says whole, it's a different Greek word. Here's what he said. Thy faith hath cured you. Go and rest. And be well, be balanced. For the rest of your life. You, you can now, now that you're cured... You can have rest for your mind, rest for your soul, rest, rest, rest that helps you sleep at night, rest that helps you to be happier, Help, rest, rest that helps you to move forward, be, be your faith has made you cured, go in rest, no more torment, no more fear, no more trembling, get rid of the trembling, go in rest and be balanced, be well. I meant to grab some stuff out of my office, I'm going to do this. Um... Be, be, you, you got the rest. Uh, you, you got the cure. He's telling her to rest. And he talks to her, y'all. When he tells her, go in peace and behold. Listen, listen. Don't, don't be offended. Don't be offended. Jesus talked to her as if it's her choice. She had to choose. 
to rest. Now that she's cured, now that the mountain that, that brought about the flow of her misery is dealt with, now she has to choose. Am I going to continue to live in, in torment or am I going to rest? Go in peace. You've been healed. Rest. You got what you were looking for. Rest. You got what nobody else could get. Rest. It's not your fault. Rest. 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 And live a life of balance. It's a choice. Somebody holler, I'm choosing rest. Say it again. I'm choosing rest. I need some tormented folk on the stream to type in, I am choosing rest. I'm no longer going to be tormented by how I got healed, by how I got delivered, by how I got the door open. Listen, it's not my fault that other folk didn't make it. It's not my fault that other prayers weren't answered. But listen, Jesus says to you today, the Lord says to you today, all of heaven says to you today, choose rest. I need you to type in the comments, I choose rest. I choose calm. I choose peace. I choose rest. Go on with your life. No longer miserable because, listen, you don't need to be miserable because you can't accept what the Lord has done for you. I'm not going to be miserable. But I'm not going to be miserable because I cannot accept what the Lord has done for me. Then he says this. I'm done. Daughter, thy faith, your faith cured you. Go rest. All that trembling, you're freaking out. You're overwhelmed. You're emotionally, mentally tormented. You forget about it. Rest. It's not your fault, rest. God has shown you favor, rest. But then he says this. And behold of thy plague. Move forward with balance. You're, you're freaking out. Stuff is out of balance. You know, some people, the, the scientists say that, that there are some people who deal with psychological problems because there's a, there's a, there's an imba a chemical imbalance. That's real. It's real. Everything can't be solved by casting out a devil. Amen. Now, there may be a devil causing the chemical imbalance. There's an imbalance. So I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to do this. Um, which do you think is heavier between these two items? I got this box of wipes, and there's some wipes in here. So it's actually heavy. I'm just strong. I just make it look like it ain't nothing in it. But it's, this is heavy, like real heavy. Like, which is heavier between this box that has wipes in it, this Kleenex? Which do you think is heavier? You think the Kleenex is heavier? Or do you think this box of wipes? How many would say box of wipes for 200, Alex? Box of wipes? So let it be settled. Let it be established in heaven and on earth that this box of wipes is heavier than this Kleenex. Don't treat your miracle as if it's heavier than your past. There's, there's an imbalance. You're, you're out of balance. You're putting more weight on one than the other that's causing the torment. The confession ought to help you. You've gotten a miracle. The confession ought to help you. Deciding I am going to rest has to help you. But how you, how you look at stuff, how, what has your focus, what's more important. It's almost like you got your miracle. Why aren't you happy? Yeah, but still. But, but still. You got, what, you got what you were looking for from God. Yeah, I did. You, you don't have to worry about the blood anymore. No, you don't have to be quarantined anymore. No, I don't. Why aren't you happy? But still. 
But still, Jesus says, choose balance. Choose balance. One, your, your past does, does, does not mean more than what can be your future. Where your future can be better. But it won't be better if although you got what you were looking for from God, but now your mind ain't right. You can't enjoy it. You can't appreciate it. You can't, you can't, you can't enjoy it. Am I making sense to anybody? God has moved on your behalf and you still ain't happy. God has worked a miracle in your life, but you still ain't happy. Out of balance. She, she would be healed, but not well, and therefore she's still miserable. We know some people like that. Couldn't wait to get married, got married, still unhappy. Couldn't wait to get a new job, got a new job, still unhappy. Couldn't wait to move, they moved, still unhappy. Couldn't wait to get out of that relationship, got out, still unhappy. Jesus spoke to her as if she had a choice. I'm done. Go in peace and be whole. Choose peace. Choose balance. Place more weight on what the Lord has done for you. It wasn't, it wasn't your turn, but it was your time. Your faith may not have, even if your faith did not cure you, if God is keeping you, things are better. Choose peace. Choose wholeness. Choose wellness. Praise God for what he's done. Make up in your mind. You're done being miserable. Make up. You're done feeling guilty for surviving. You're, you're done. I, somebody needs to holler, I'm done. I'm done. I'm through with it. I'm through with the torment. I'm through with what other people may be thinking, other people may be saying. I'm through the torment of stuff that is beyond my control. I'm, I'm through with it. T-H-E-U-O-U-G-H. Through. Google it. Think I'm lying. Google it. <laughs> Why, after all God has done to demonstrate his goodness toward you, why should you not feel good from now on? I'm talking about chronic good, chronic happiness, chronic satisfaction, chronic peace, chronic wellness, cancel the chronic guilt, cancel Cancel the chronic inner torment. Choose peace. Choose wellness. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark, and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.